we think about epilepsy, I know in the past it may have been looked at differently, but we're sort of starting to see epilepsy and seizures as more of a network condition. Fellow Homo sapiens, today may I introduce to you the cool biomedical engineer and neuroscientist Christina Mayer from Sydney University, who shares with us her research into the accurate prediction of seizure propagation. Now, if people experience focal and or focal to bilateral tonic-clonic seizures, the way in which this happens is individual to each and every person. And so having a detailed understanding of how these seizures occur can be of distinct benefit when it comes to precision medicine and even in a person's pre-surgical workup. Hello, Tori. Thank you so much for having me on. So I am a biomedical engineer and neuroscientist and I'm based in the computational neuroscience team at the Brain and Mind Centre in the University of Sydney here in Australia. And my research is looking at seizure propagation in the brain. What's seizure propagation? So for people with um, certain types of seizures, um, they might start in one hemisphere of the brain or one side and then spread to the other hemisphere. And so my research in particular looked at I think you might have heard of these before, secondary generalised seizures. And so we want to try and understand where the seizure is heading and we can use that information to see if we can come up with better ways to, to treat or manage the seizures. Why did you choose this arena? What led you to become focused on researching the epilepsies? After completing my uh, undergraduate degree in psychology and neuroscience. I then spent a year working in a clinic and it was there that I discovered advanced neuroimaging and ways of looking at the brain uh, in vivo or in life. And I, I'd always been really fascinated with the brain and obsessed with sort of understanding it. But then when I realized that we had these great technologies like EEG to look at the brain, I became really fascinated with sort of the technology side. And I, I have family members who have epilepsy and who have had seizures. And I really wanted to do research that would produce outcomes that could be tr clinically translatable. So um, used in, cl in clinical practice sort of straight away. So yeah, I guess it was sort of a, a natural progression. So you've mentioned EEG. I understand that you work with MRI data as well. Um, you create pretty images of things. How, how, what do you actually do and what do you create and how does that translate into something which can be of benefit for people long term? So I work with EEG and diffusion MRI. Um, and EEG, I think, as we know, it has a really nice temporal resolution, meaning that we can look at a seizure over time, and we can also look at normal normal activity or functional activity in the brain. Um, however, EEG does not have a great spatial resolution, mm -hmm. so it means does not provide a great detailed picture of the microstructure in the brain. Like 3D, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So with EEG, it's sort of what's happening on the surface. Mm -hmm. And then diffusion MRI can give us a picture of the detailed microstructure. So going right down to that white matter fiber level. Like honeycomb, basically. It's like, I'm just trying to think of it for, a, a, like if you imagine inside, inside a honeycomb and all the activity going on, it's kind of a bit like that, right? Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a like a web of fibers, or if you've ever seen like a bird's nest, maybe something mm. like that, all these intertwined kind of fibers all, all going in different directions. And 
Yeah, so the way diffusion MRI works is that the MRI sends out a pulse that shifts the water molecules in the brain. And so depending on the level or lack of movement of those molecule, molecules, we can determine the microstructural configurations in a person's brain structure. So then we can process that diffusion MRI and obtain measures of the white matter fibers um, at that structural level. And so because it gives us this static but very detailed snapshot of the brain, we can then overlay that functional data. Um, so like EEG, uh, some people do fMRI, uh, but I use EEG in my work, and we can see whether any patterns emerge and whether diffusion MRI can give us some extra information. And, and patterns are, just for people who aren't familiar, why are patterns useful? When we think about epilepsy, I know in the past it may have been looked at differently, but we're sort of starting to see epilepsy and seizures as more of a network condition. Mm -hmm. So what we can do with the diffusion MRI and with EEG as well, in fact, is that we can obtain what we call connectomes. And you can think of these as like a matrix of connectivity between all the possible brain regions. And then we can give those that connectivity, so connectivity between two regions, uh, a score. And so you can have all these different scores for all these different connections, and some might be more strongly connected and they'll have a higher score and some may be more weakly connected. And altogether, those connections make up networks and you can have highly connected networks and you can have less connected networks. And so by looking at the strength of connectivity, between different regions, we can then determine where a seizure might be more likely to spread or not to spread. So people hear about um, muscle memory, for instance. So if you if you do something enough times, like even if you, I don't know, I've done a lot of walking growing up because I've never been able to drive. And but if I don't exercise for a bit, I can always just go straight back to walking like crazy because I have this muscle memory, or that's the theory. Um, and I'm thinking, uh, so the way I'm sort of applying that to what you, you said, I'm thinking, are you, t are you talking about how if, if there's sort of, uh, is there an automatic path sometimes that seizures can follow to, to spread? Or am I talking rubbish? No, absolutely. That's absolutely correct. So, we can, when we have highly connected networks in the brain, we think that seizures might use those networks to, to spread. And so in my work, for example, we looked at uh, whether when we combined the microstructural data from the um, diffusion MRI um, with the EEG, were the areas that had um, that were highly connected in the MRI also highly connected in the EEG? And in fact, what we found in one of my papers, we found that the two er uh, when the two areas were that were highly connected in the structural and functional data, they also overlapped with the seizure onset zone, and that was really in interesting because, um, as you know, seizures tend to arise in a particular zone, and. Um, well, that's where we expect them to arise. And what we found is that seizures that were well localized were had very uh, strong structural and functional connectivity. And then we also found that the seizures that were less well localized, so they were kind of spreading all over the place, they didn't have that overlapping 
or congruent structural and functional connectivity. And also that the structural and functional connectivity didn't always overlap with the expected onset zone. And so we think that might tell us a little bit more about the seizure behavior. And then we can use that to try and predict um, where the seizures will spread. And we can um, use that to inform uh, planning for surgery. So pre-surgical workup and, and things like that. Has your data um, been used at all or communicated to clinicians at all? Or, or and, and how will it be going forward? So we have uh, developed a model. Uh, I actually have another paper in review at the moment where we've developed a model where we've applied deep learning to analyze this uh, connectome data uh, <laughs> from these um, from this structural MRI. And we've used it to predict or I guess classify the uh, connectomes of people who have secondary generalized seizures and who just have focal seizures. And we wanted to see if our model um, could determine some clinically relevant, explainable way to classify these individuals into different groups, uh, into the two different groups. And what we found was that the model identified specific brain regions that were important for classification into a given group. So, for example, the group with uh, secondary generalized seizures had more of the lower middle structures in the brain, like the insula and the thalamus. And um, those um, connections in those regions ranked higher in individuals with secondary generalized seizures than they did in those that didn't have them. And so we think that we might be able to use a model like this to classify individuals when they come in for assessment and to predict if they're more likely to develop this type of seizure. Because as you know, secondary generalized seizures are quite dangerous and they often come with a higher risk of SUDEP. So what are next steps in what you're doing though? So you've got this fabulous data and, and the soon-to-be uh, paper. When, when is it coming out? Oh, well, we're waiting to find out if it gets accepted. So hopefully soon, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> when that happens, I mean, how will all of this be communicated and potentially benefit um, uh, you know, people with an epilepsy? Yes. So we work directly with uh, some of the uh, clinicians at the hospital uh, here in Sydney. And the way we actually design this model is um, such that it can be directly implemented on a clinician's computer and so yeah, cool. so what we what we really want to do is to be able to create uh, these tools that clinicians can directly implement on their computers and test straight away and use in their clinics. And we hope that uh, once we collect more data and we uh, expand the model and we train it and achieve a better accuracy, we can then sort of progress to more of a clinical trial stage and hopefully eventually use it to inform clinical decision making. Do you welcome any involvement from the outside world, um, from fellow researchers, clinicians or even people with epilepsy in your work? Absolutely. We are always looking for more participants for our studies, uh, more data. The more data we have, um, I think the better that we can train our models and 
I guess as well, we can make our models more generalizable. So one of the things we really try and do is make sure our models are, have got really diverse data sets in them. Yeah, because not everyone's the same, right? And it's almost like welcoming anomalies in patterns to be, uh, you want to see those like, oh my goodness, what have we not considered? And, so, and the more people you have, the better. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you to Christina for sharing with us her personal motivations and empathy for people with an epilepsy, plus her exciting and pretty, check out the website, research into seizure propagation. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.